0: Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. Isn't that interesting? They didn't go, well, it's got to be Judas. They didn't know. He was pretty good, wasn't he? He was pretty good at being pretty bad. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at table at Jesus' side. So this is John writing this who's at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So so picture Peter going, John. And John goes, I'll ask him. So the disciple leaning back against Jesus said, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I've dipped it. Now, I don't think he announced that. I think he whispered that to John. It's the one I give this to. And he dips the bread. It's like a fondue thing, right? So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, what you're going to do, do quickly. Now, no one at the table knew why he had said this to him. Some thought that because Judas had the money bag, so he's the treasurer, Jesus was telling him, buy what we need for the feast. Or that he should give something to the poor. You know, we don't have enough matzah or we need some more. Go. They don't know what's going on. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out and it was night. And all the commentators say that's not just a, a, a time marker telling you what time it is. It's a theological description. We have just entered into night. Okay. I was at a pastor's conference once, pretty well-known pastor, and there was a question answer session, and he was asked, what's the most painful thing you've ever experienced in ministry? And he goes, oh, that's, that's easy. It's after pouring myself into certain people and loving them and discipling them and having them turn on you. I don't know if you can see this in the back, but this is a painting of Julius Caesar. And it's when the Senate decides he's got to go. They didn't vote him out. They picked up daggers and assassinated him. And he fights a little bit, and then he sees his friend Brutus and he says, you too, Brutus? And he gives up. Betrayal was, was the end of him. One of my favorite movies is Braveheart. And it's about the Scottish... I, I didn't even know this. Do you know Scotland's on top of England? <laughs> Turns out it's one big island. <laughs> so... The English were oppressing the Scots. This is in the Middle Ages. And there rises up William Wallace. And he's, he's going to gather uh, an army of, of ragtag Scots to fight for freedom against the British. Now, um, the noblemen, the Scottish noblemen, were kind of in a, in a difficult position because they were landowners and the British... Uh, f- took care of them. They lived in luxury, but they were Scots. So they had to decide, do we side with our own people or do we continue to live in luxury? And uh, William Wallace thinks he has convinced Robert the Bruce to fight for him. And there's this big bloody battle. And you know, the reason it's called Braveheart is because Mel Gibson, he doesn't show any weakness at all. Right? He does these valiant wars and he rallies the troops and he's winning. But at the end of this one war, he's, he's wounded and a British soldier with a helmet on comes and he's going to slit his throat. And of course, Mel Gibson does the old switcheroo. He takes off the helmet and it's Robert the Bruce. And this is the one picture from the movie where William Wallace is just dazed. You know, he 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 could fight these wars and kill these people and de- defend uh, honor and truth, but when he's betrayed, he just falls apart. Right? So Judas is one of the twelve closest friends of Jesus. And he betrays Jesus. Now, when Jesus dies in our place, when he suffers in our place, he experiences, of course, the most amount of physical pain you can experience. He experiences the most amount of spiritual pain because he's absorbing the wrath of God on our behalf. And he's also undergoing emotional pain. What could be more painful than being betrayed by a friend? This is all part of the pain Jesus takes on on our behalf. So I want us to to look at Judas this morning. And I want us to observe three things about Judas. Amazingly, they all begin with the same letter, right? I want us to see, first of all, that he was a friend, and then he became a fraud, and then he became a fiend. All right? Let's look at the fact that he was a friend. Now you say, wait a minute. How can you say he was a friend of Jesus? Didn't Jesus know that Judas was going to betray him from the start? Yes, he did. In fact, Uh, In John 6, Jesus says, but there are some of you who do not believe, and then in parentheses here, this is John writing, for Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. So from the beginning, Jesus knows Judas is not a believer and he would betray him. But I want you to uh, to notice this in the garden, when Judas betrays Jesus in Luke twenty-two forty-six. But Jesus said to him, "Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss?" But notice Matthew Matthew twenty-six fifty. Jesus said to him, "Friend." Do what you came to do. Why did Jesus call Judas friend? I'm going to tell you what I think. Because they were friends. How's that? That's pretty good. huh? How can he be his friend if he knows he's going to betray him? Well, you know what else Jesus knows? That that very night, Peter's going to deny him three times. And they were friends. You know what else he knows? All the apostles, when he's arrested, are going to flee. And he was their friends. See, I, I think we have, um, we have this problem that Jesus is God and he's human And we think because he knows everything, his experience isn't real. But, here's a a little thing that that, that I think we need to, we can wrestle with this over Christmas. It's one of those profound thoughts when we try to synthesize God becoming man. Get this. Foreknowledge does not... Remove emotion in the moment. God's foreknowledge, Jesus' foreknowledge does not remove very real pain and emotion in the moment. You know, I'll um, give you a few examples. So let's say a couple is happily married and then she starts to suspect that he's cheating on her. She has some clues, she has, she's, but when it's finally revealed, we don't go, oh, well, what's the big deal? That doesn't hurt. You knew it all along. No. Foreknowledge does not remove real emotion in the moment. Pro- probably the best example is at the tomb of Lazarus. Jesus is going to raise Lazarus from the dead, yet he's standing there weeping. Why? And again, you read different commentators and listen to different pastors, and they have all these theories. He was was weeping because of the unbelief all around him. No, you know why I think he was weeping? Because he was sad. But he knew he was going to, yeah, he knew he was going to, but in the moment, he felt real pain. Now, my lovely wife has subscribed to the Hallmark Channel, right? And uh, I try to watch those movies, I, and, and she tries to watch football with me, and, you know, it works, it works, okay? But there are times, like, I'll be walking through the room, and she'll be crying, in fact, everyone, Don't you cry at every one? Yeah, pretty much. But, but then I'll go, wait a minute. I've even seen this one before. How many times have you seen it? Seven. <laughs> <laughs> What's the point? Foreknowledge does not eliminate emotion. Now you go... All right, we got it. Why are you belaboring this point? Because I don't want to write off Judas's betrayal of Jesus as just a small, painless detail. Jesus endured excruciating pain physically, spiritually, and emotionally on our behalf. And this one really hurt. All right, So, so Judas, first of all, is a friend. So now, let's look at Judas as a fraud. Now, a, a, a person who leaves Christ and leaves Christianity is called an apostate. Now, with most apostates, those who walk away, I don't believe that Judas started out with the intention of betraying Jesus. I think it was a progression over time. You know, even at the Last Supper, we see a bit of a progression. We see it says, during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. So at the start of supper, Satan's tempting him. But then when he takes the morsel, then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. There was that final possession by Satan. Prior to that, there was temptation. And if we just keep going back and back and back, at one point, I think Judas was probably truly interested. And at what point he turns from being interested to saying no. And then, and then at some point he goes further and he says i got to play along. i got to fake, fake this thing. I, I don't know where he is or where he was at the beginning on that progression. But he probably started out like many people in many churches. Friend invites you to church. All right, I'll go. Or young people, you're brought up in the church. You listen. I'll consider it. You know, they keep telling you I'm, I'm, supposed to, I'm supposed to receive Jesus and believe in Jesus. I, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking, thinking, thinking. But not, not this week, not now. Maybe next week. Not, not next week. And then a week turns into a month. A month turns into a year. And then it turns into a permanently hard heart. But then the, the question is, should I stick around? Right? I'm not buying it, but I'm not sure I want to leave. Why? Well, I kind of like the people. Nice people. Yeah, super nice people. They'd give you the shirt off, their, off your back. They, they'd, they'd cook you a casserole. Especially if they're Baptist boy, they'll give you a casserole. And, and I actually might have a position in the church. If I leave, what will my family think? What will people think? But here's what's terrifying. I believe there's a point of no return. When you say no, 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 so many times that it's beyond repentance, okay? I think we've, we've seen this verse before, but Hebrews 6, I believe, is talking about not a believer who loses their salvation, but a person within Christendom, within the church, who's been exposed to it all, but hardens their heart, right? For it's impossible, so we're going to come back to that. Uh, It's impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, they understand the gospel. Who have tasted the heavenly gift, they've tasted salvation, they haven't swallowed, but they've tasted it. They've shared in the Holy Spirit, maybe not internally, but they've seen him work, and have tasted the goodness of the word of God. That Bible has a lot of of good stuff in it. And the powers of the age to come, and have fallen away. Okay, so this is a big run-on sentence here. So let's go, it's impossible for these people to restore them again to repentance, Since they're crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding them up to contempt. It's impossible for those who have fallen away, said no, 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 to come back to Christ. Now, having said that, I always always want to clarify, I believe there is a point of no return. We see it in Judas. I don't know where that point is, though. So if you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, I've passed that point of no return. I'm not saying that. There is a point of no return. And my prayer is, nobody has passed that point of no return. And if there's even a spark inside of you saying, I want to be saved, then I think that is the Lord calling you. All right? But... Judas says no, 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 and he has now got a permanently hard heart. And now he has to play the fraud. Okay, at what point that came in the ministry, I I don't know. But he's choosing to stay in and fake it. So here's here's a question. Now now let's say um, there are different stages of a person's spiritual life. The first first stage is there's the seeking stage. When you really are seeking, you really are listening, you really are open. Okay? And then there's that decision stage where you decide yes or no. And then there's, for the person who says no, the fraud stage. Now, I want to give you three tests to see if you've moved into the fraud stage. Okay, and they all begin with the same letter. All right. First of all, baptism test. Have you been baptized? Well, you know, I'm thinking about. It. I'm thinking about. 27 years. I've been thinking about. Why wouldn't you get baptized? It's a baptism test. Oh, is that needed for salvation? Nope, you're saved by faith alone. But it's the first thing the Lord commands you to do. And if you you say, I'm not going to do that, do you believe? Second, the Bible test. There it is, his revealed word. Do you love it? Do you read it? Do you go to Bible study with others to understand it? Why not? Why, what, what? You're connected to God through his word and eh, don't have time. Right. And then there's the, the blah test. Okay. This, isn't, this is the person who, they aren't rejecting Christ, but they haven't accepted Christ. They're just kind of blah. Have you, know, you noticed after COVID, the whole world's kind of in a state of blah. Reminds me of, in the Old Testament, when all of Israel had gone bad, and there were all these prophets of Baal, and Elijah, the prophet of God, says, let's have a contest. Everybody in Israel, let's go up to the top of Mount Carmel. So they go up there, and they're going to have a contest between the prophets of Baal and Elijah. and all the, It's like a big Super Bowl up on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. Choose. Are you in or are you out? And the people resoundingly responded with, And the people did not answer him a word. Blah, blah, blah. It's been COVID and it's kinda of dreary day today, and I don't, I don't want to decide. You can't live in the fog forever. Choose this day whom you will serve. Do you know that we are responsible to take hold? of our emotions and submit them to Christ. Romans twelve, eleven do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Amen. Yeah. You almost woke me up there. Um <laughs> Now you say, well, how can, how can he command us to be fervent? Aren't we victims of our emotions? You control your emotions all the time. How is it you can act a certain way at work, but a different way at home? Because you can control your emotions. Right? Now. I, I mean, I, I don't want to belittle or, or, or say that, that there aren't serious emotional and psychological issues that need attention. I'm not saying just snap out of it, okay? But even those things can be strategically dealt with. But God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. You know what? Some of us, maybe what we need to do today is repent Of our boise. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Isn't it interesting? Two people can go to the same church service. One comes in critical, the other one comes in to worship the Lord, and afterwards they're talking, what would you think? Ah, oh, it was wonderful. We sang Christmas carols, and my heart was prepared for, for Advent, and we heard from the Word of God. The other one goes, eh, it was all right, I've heard better. Bears are on. You're not allowed. You're not allowed to be Eeyore. So what are you going to do to obey? Be fervent in spirit. Maybe some of you need to think about that. Maybe some of us need to have a, come up with a plan to attack the blahs. All right. Last thing. Judas is a fiend. Now, my point here is... Judas didn't just fade away or even remain neutral. He became a tool of Satan to hurt Jesus. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. You see, an empty vessel, he hadn't been filled because he said no. He's an open vessel now for Satan to use. You know, a lot of apostates, those who leave the Christian faith, don't just stay neutral. They are used by Satan to do damage. You know, this ex-evangelical movement where a lot of young people are turning away from Christianity. And they don't go quietly. They send out their TikTok videos and their YouTube videos justifying and explaining um, why they don't believe and why you shouldn't believe. It's usually not just a neutral thing. You know, um, there's a guy named Alexander. Alexander written about three times in the New Testament. And let me uh, go to the last one here. So Paul, this is Paul's last paragraph that he's writing to Timothy before he dies. He says, Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. So his name is Alec- Alexander. He's a metal worker. Paul's in Rome and he's writing to Timothy, who is in Ephesus. Now, if you go back in the book of Acts, Paul is in Ephesus for three years. And Christianity spreads so much that the metal workers, the the idol workers, are losing business because they're throwing their idols into the fire. And there, a riot breaks out because the metal worker, the, the idol makers union, Local 402, uh, decides to have a riot against the Christians. And there's a big riot going on. And we, it's, it's hard to tell exactly what's happening, but a guy named Alexander is pushed out before the crowd to try to quiet them down. Now, if this is the same Alexander, and, and it, it's, it probably is because he's, you know, he, he would know the church and he would know the metal workers because he's a coppersmith. So, this is Alexander who's a believer, air quotes, in Ephesus. So, then the, the riot settles down. Paul moves on. The next we hear of Alexander is in First Timothy, where Paul says, by rejecting this, he's talking about faith and a good conscience, some have made shipwreck of their faith, among whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. And then the next we hear is, Alexander did me great harm. You see, when when people apostatize, when they were in, and then they leave, a lot of times they don't leave quietly. They want to do damage. There's a guy named Bart Ehrman. And he has written, I believe, 30 books. And uh, this is Jesus Interrupted. And basically the thesis is Jesus never claimed to be God. Right? Forged. A lot of what you think are uh, letters written by the apostles, they're, they're, they really weren't. They're, they're forged documents. Right? And how Jesus became God, even the title tells you he's not God, but the church made him into God. Okay. So, and, and he is a, uh, a scholar, I think, in South Carolina, North Carolina. I, I, I don't know where he is, but he's a scholar that does a lot of speaking, a lot of writing, but he doesn't believe the Bible is the inspired word of God. He doesn't believe Jesus is God. He writes against that, but Under the umbrella of biblical scholarship. Okay? Now you go, why are you telling us about this guy? Guess where he went to school? Moody Bible Institute. And he went to Wheaton. He didn't leave quietly. And I've mentioned this guy before Charles Templeton. He was Billy Graham's partner, traveled the world with Billy Graham, led thousands to the Lord. But before he died, he wrote a book called Farewell to God, My Reasons for Rejecting the Christian Faith. Have I ever mentioned a guy named John Piper? His son Abraham pumps out these TikTok videos explaining why he's not a believer. It's, they've gone viral, I mean A lot of times, apostates don't just stay neutral. they are tools. and I'm not saying all these people are possessed by Satan, but they're used by Satan to justify their unbelief. All right. So here's the lesson we want to learn. From Judas friends can become frauds who can become fiends choose this day whom you will serve will you say Jesus I receive you I want you to be my Lord and Savior I trust in you let's pray Lord, when we think of it, it's amazing. God becomes man, becomes a baby, becomes vulnerable, becomes vulnerable at the hands of a betrayer. Yet it's all under your sovereign control. What a plan. And Lord, I pray for my friends here that none, none would walk away saying no. That all We place their faith and their trust in you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.